Welcome to Music for Life, enhancing the Armstrong concert experience. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. In today's episode, we will explore the final event coming to Armstrong Auditorium this 2017-18 concert season, the world-famous Glenn Miller Orchestra, performing here Thursday, May 10th. We also have an exclusive interview with the band's present music director, Nick Hilscher. And at the very end, I will unveil the lineup for Armstrong's 2018-19 concert season. So stick around as we give you a spotlight on the world's most legendary swing band and interview its music director today on Music for Life. This is our final episode of the third season of Music for Life. All three seasons, we have been equipping our listeners with the tools to get the most enrichment out of their music listening. In the first two seasons, we occasionally interrupted our general music appreciation-themed programs to discuss an upcoming event at Armstrong Auditorium and prepare our audiences for the event. This season, we have devoted nearly every episode to that effort. These episodes have explored the artists and most of all the repertoire being performed on the various concerts throughout the season. As I said earlier in the season, not only does this explain our tagline, enhancing the Armstrong concert experience, it also allows us to present basic music appreciation skills in a practical way, preparing people for exactly what they'll hear in a live concert setting. I explained it like trying to make sense of a public speaker who speaks in a language you don't understand. The more you understand the language being spoken, the more you can enjoy or appreciate appreciate the speech rather than just being enamored by the meaningless sounds of the language. We discussed the ballet music being performed on our season opener by the Oklahoma City Ballet, as well as the plots for those productions. We talked about the Tango Nuevo style made popular by Astro Piazzolla, a legacy carried on by pianist Pablo Ziegler, who performed here with the legendary radio personality Christopher O'Reilly. We introduced our listeners to the young superstar violinist Ray Chen, spending about five episodes on the various music he would perform. We talked about the world-famous banjoist Bela Fleck, the groundbreaking young string quartet Brooklyn Rider, and their unique collaboration. We discussed the various greatest hits of ballet music that the Moscow Festival Ballet would present in their two nights of Best of Ballet programs here this season, plus Tchaikovsky's Romeo and Juliet, which they also performed while here on one of those nights. We introduced you to a new Celtic dance touring company, Dublin Irish Dance. Then we spent three episodes discussing the programming and artists that were next up on the series, the Staatskapelle Weimar, an orchestra performing an all-Brahms concert. We spent an episode preparing you for a world premiere of a new oratorio, a choral orchestral work, about the life of the biblical figure Abraham. Any one of these episodes could be listened to again, and even though the concerts have passed, the episodes discussed the repertoire and the musical styles in such a way that it would still equip any newcomer to fine art music on how to consume such programming. 
And as was evident throughout the season, different kinds of music have different kinds of appeal, and some styles of music need a little more explanation than others in terms of the ear being prepared for how to appreciate and enjoy those styles. As I said last time, I don't think our next performers at Armstrong will need as much help to be sold to our audiences, as this is an extremely popular band with an extremely popular playlist. We are very excited to conclude our season on May 10th with the world-famous Glenn Miller Orchestra. This is the most popular and sought-after big band in the world today for both concert and swing dance engagements. In our last episode, we discussed Glenn Miller more specifically, as well as his orchestra, and the official orchestra that formed under his name in 1956, just over a decade after his death. I want to finish that discussion today. I also want to play you an interview I conducted with the current leader of the Glenn Miller Orchestra, Nick Hilscher. In our last episode, we played a lot of famous examples of Glenn Miller's top hits from his relatively short career. If you recall, he and his band made it big in the late 30s, and then toward the end of World War II, specifically at the end of 1944, Glenn Miller's single-engine plane disappeared over the English Channel. Still yet, during that brief burst of fame, Glenn Miller and his group had dozens of hits, more number one hits than Elvis Presley or The Beatles, We discussed a lot of these hits last episode, Wishing Will Make It So, Tuxedo Junction, the iconic Moonlight Serenade, Song of the Volga Boatman, American Patrol, String of Pearls, the most famous one, In the Mood, and Little Brown Jug. But I didn't get to one of the great ones, Pennsylvania 6-5000, which is unique in the sense that it has the band members repeating the title of the song, speaking it out loud, in fact, after a ringing phone sound effect. The title refers to a format of telephone numbers used in large U.S. cities in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, where the first two digits of the phone number were letters, and letters that corresponded to numbers on the phone keypad. So the first two letters, P-E, referred to a phone number surrounding New York's Pennsylvania Station. PE65000 referred specifically to the Hotel Pennsylvania in that area. Glenn Miller and his orchestra actually played in that hotel's Cafe Rouge, the hotel's main restaurant, but also a venue from which music was recorded and broadcast.
We just heard one of the great hits of the Glenn Miller Orchestra, Pennsylvania 65000. I want to play a few more of these hits today in addition to the ones that we heard last episode. Before we get into our interview with the band's music director, let's hear two in a row now. Here is Serenade in Blue with Miller's lead vocalist Ray Eberly singing in this one along with the famous vocal group known as the Modern Airs. After that, we'll hear another number that features some great vocals, I've Got a Gal in Kalamazoo, featuring the modern airs as well, but with Tex Benneke and Marion Hutton on lead vocals. It seems like only yesterday 
the small cafe, a crowded floor. And as we dance the night away, I hear you say forevermore. And then the song became a sigh, forevermore became goodbye. But you remain in my heart, so tell me, darling. Is there still a spark for only lonely ashes of the flame we knew? Should I go on whistling in the dark? Zoo, 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 zoo
You are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. In today's episode, we are discussing the world-famous Glenn Miller Orchestra, and we'll be talking with its present music director in the lead-up to its May 10th performance at Armstrong Auditorium, which closes our 2017-18 season. We will also give a brief preview of our next season, Armstrong's 20th anniversary season. We just heard two great vocal hits from Glenn Miller and his orchestra, I've Got a Gal in Kalamazoo. Before that, we heard Serenade in Blue. The Glenn Miller Orchestra began in 1956, just over a decade after Miller's mysterious disappearance and death. The orchestra starting up was due to a revival in popularity of Glenn Miller's music, thanks to the 1954 Jimmy Stewart and June Allison movie, The Glenn Miller Story. Since the band's formation, it has been known as the most sought-after big band in the world. Back in the 50s, it was under the leadership of Ray McKinley. After Ray, the band was led by folks like clarinetists Buddy DeFranco and Peanuts Hucko, trombonists Buddy Morrow, Jimi Henderson, Larry O'Brien and Gary Toll, and tenor saxophonist Dick Gerhardt. Since January 2012, vocalist Nick Hilscher has led the band. I was able to talk with the Atlanta native via Skype. He tells us a little bit about his musical background as well as what he's looking forward to most about his performance at Armstrong. So as promised, let's get to that interview. I'd like to start by asking you to talk about just the history of the orchestra, the Glenn Miller Orchestra. Well, it goes back to... 1938. I guess technically it could go back to 1937, maybe even before then. Glenn Miller was a guy who was born in Clarinda, Iowa, the small town in southern Iowa. His uh, dad, due to a job, he was moved to Fort Morgan, Colorado, where he grew up and went a few years, uh, you know, into college at CU in Boulder. Then he moves to Chicago. He moves to New York City. He wants to make it in, in the music business and works as a sideman for a good number of folks. But uh, one of his, I guess, talents was to be a good music director. And Tommy and Jimmy Dorsey, when they had their band together, they hired Glenn to be their music director. He did that for a while. And then in 1937, he wanted to go out on his own. So he started a band in 1937, which lasted for you know, a, a number of months, and then he broke up that band in 1937 on on New Year's Eve, several months after that, because I, I think there were a lot of, or several music critics who believed in Glenn Miller. They liked the, the, the band that he had just, you know, had. They encouraged him to start another one, which he did. And so he enlarged the format of the orchestra. Uh, instead of having four saxophones, he had five saxophones. And he added uh, a couple of other brass players, and Glenn, of course, played trombone himself. Mm -hmm. So in 1938, he starts this new band, and by 1939, with recordings like his theme song, Moonlight Serenade, which was being broadcast on the radio already, mm -hmm. and In the Mood, he couldn't go wrong, basically, mm -hmm. from that point on. I think uh, by 1940, you can argue that Glenn Miller and his orchestra was the most popular big band of that period and held that position until he broke up that band in 1942. And so in 42, he breaks up the orchestra in order to join the war effort. And Glenn Miller was placed as the head of bands in the Army Air Forces during the Second World War. And he held that position until December the 15th of 1944. He and the orchestra were going to leave England where they were doing, that's where they were stationed at that time period, go to France to do this 
concert as a celebration of the liberation of Paris. And Glenn was just insistent that he get there early, a day early, and the weather conditions were very poor, mm-hmm. and uh, the single-engine aircraft that he was aboard went missing over the English Channel, mm. and that was it. And, right. um, you know, it, it's really amazing that the band still went to Paris. They still played without Glenn Miller. And for, I think, a, a period of time, folks thought maybe Glenn would suddenly appear, and mm. he, he never did. Right. So there's this aura, a mystique, if you will, kind of around Glenn Miller himself. But, you know, it's it's interesting Ryan, that music was so popular that in 1946, after the war, the band was started up with the name Glenn Miller Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Before that, it's Glenn Miller and his orchestra. And placed under the direction of a guy named Tex Vinicky, who was a really big star in Glenn Miller's civilian band. And he led the orchestra from 1946 into the early 1950s. And then it was disbanded once again. In 1954, there was a movie with Jimmy Stewart and June Allison that was released called The Glenn Miller Story. Mm -hmm. And I think that after that, the public wanted the band back out on the road. That generation still wanted to dance to the orchestra live. Mm -hmm. And that was a thing back then. You know, you had all these big bands still in the 1950s that were traveling around. Folks were coming to dance halls and hearing them. So the Glenn Miller Orchestra was reformed in 1956, and it's been going nonstop since 1956. Right. So probably in 56, when the band started up, they were doing, you know, you could guess anywhere between 48 to 52 weeks a year of being on a bus and touring all these dance halls. And now in 2018, the band is on a bus doing between 44 to 48 weeks every year, still uh, doing about five shows per week. It's just we don't do a lot of dances. We do a lot of concerts. Right. So, but it's still quite amazing that uh, this orchestra is still presenting this music live to to our listeners. Yeah. And just to get kind of super basic about the, the composition of the orchestra, maybe just describe what you see on stage. You know, what what's the instrumentation? Well, it is a, a big band, which means that um, you have essentially four sections. You have a, a reed section, saxophone section trombone section, trumpet section, and then a rhythm section. So we have five saxophones. All five of them double on other instruments. They all double on clarinet. They all double on flute. Our um, baritone saxophonist also plays the alto on the show, clarinet, bass clarinet, and flute. Then we have our trombone section, which comprises of uh, three tenor trombones, one bass trombonist, and then we have four trumpet players, and then our rhythm section is piano, bass, and drums. We also, along with the instrumentalist, uh, have a female vocalist, and she's really great. We feature her probably on about four solos every night. I sing as well as conduct the band, and we also have a vocal group, which comprises of our female vocalist, me, and three guys in the orchestra that that form the, the vocal group. So cool. we do huge Miller hits every night. From mm-hmm. I've mentioned our theme song, Moonlight Serenade. And um, the big hit, In the Mood. Sure. <laughs> and we do that every night. Pennsylvania 65000, Tuxedo Junction, some number ones like A String of Pearls. Our vocal group does Chattanooga Choo Choo, which was also a number one hit written for the movie that starred Glenn in the, in the band in 1941 called Sun Valley Serenade. And Chattanooga was the very first gold record, actually, that was ever 
issued. It was given to Glenn Miller in 1942. So um, it's it's really a great show. What's what I think is um, a, a pretty neat thing about this band is that it's not just older musicians that you would think maybe came from that era and are up there playing. Okay. It's made up of younger musicians who are a lot of them are, are right out of college actually our age range is pretty wide but we're predominantly you know 20s and 30s we have a couple of guys like i'm 40 years old but a, a couple of folks who are 40 in in their 50s but um it's a young group who's presenting the music in that vivacious kind of way like that mm -hmm. original band did and i think that that really it contributes to uh, the music coming across the way that it's supposed to. Right, because the original band would have been made up of guys in their 20s and 30s, right? Exactly. And right. so they're they're creating that youthful energy, even though it's older music, quote-unquote. They're keeping really a legacy alive and more of its uh, true form in the sense that, you know, it's being presented by these, you know, young guys and, and such. You're right, Ryan. Yeah, that's exactly correct. Okay. So you mentioned that you're the the leader of the group and lead vocalist as well. Maybe you could just fill us in a little bit on your musical background, uh, say, before coming in contact with the Glenn Miller Orchestra. Well, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and I uh, was born in 1977. And I grew up listening to Elvis Presley and Buddy Holly, things that my, my dad really enjoyed. My dad was not a musician, but... I was just kind of naturally inclined to music, and I didn't really have to work at it. I just loved it. Not just loved listening to it, but, you know, I had to put on performances for, you know, my grandparents and my family on the hearth, you know, of, uh, <laughs> put on an Elvis record and sing along with it kind of stuff. Okay. And I wanted everybody to sit down and watch. <laughs> you know, that's that's when I was four or five, six years old. Then when I was 11, I saw It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed and really took a liking to Jimmy Stewart as an actor and started watching as many Jimmy Stewart movies as I could. I mean, <laughs> on Sundays when the paper would come, I would pull out the, the TV weekly and search through and see if any movies with James Stewart were going to be on and then would set the VHS, you know, the VCR to, to record that movie <laughs> and then watch it. Well, eventually I came upon the Glenn Miller story. Right. That was really my first exposure to Glenn Miller's music and also to the big band era. Although that movie is, you know, there's a lot of old Hollywood in it. It's not exactly true uh, to the real story. It really presented the music well. And mm -hmm. so I just got into it. So I start buying cassettes of Glenn Miller and then got into other bands. And I was a piano player. I, I started playing piano when I was eight. Okay. So I, I started, you know, kind of picking out early jazz style piano playing. Would get Scott Joplin stuff, you know, like um, Maple Leaf Rag or The Entertainer, and, sure. and work on that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And as a singer, I discovered all these great singers from the big band era. Mm -hmm. uh, so Glenn had Ray Everly and Tommy Dorsey. When I got into Dorsey, I really got into Frank Sinatra. And so that was sort of like the next step, modeling my singing more in that direction. Sure. And uh, 
just really got into it. So time goes goes on, and uh, I go through high school, and you know the per- performance was just a big part of my life. I was playing piano, I was playing violin, and in our orchestra, I was transcribing Dixieland stuff and performing it in front of the whole high school. You know that that kind of thing. Cool. And then I went to college at a school in Birmingham, Alabama, Samford University, as a classical piano major. Hmm. And did my freshman through junior year. And uh, between my sophomore and junior year, I recorded a a vocal demo, which I sent to Larry O'Brien, who was the leader of the Glenn Miller Orchestra. Mm. Soon after, I heard from them and uh, they wanted me to audition live, which I did when I was 20 years old. And during my junior year, they hired me on the spot to commit to come out after that year of school. So I agreed. I I quit school. I toured for a year with the Glenn Miller Orchestra as the male vocalist. And then I thought, well, while I still have it in my fingers, I should finish up my degree. So I went back to school. I did my senior year, finished the piano degree, and then wound up back on the road singing with the Glenn Miller Orchestra (laughs) for another four and a half years. Wow. So that was my First segment, I considered first segment of my career with the Glenn Miller Orchestra. Then I left and got married and started making other connections and uh, started to work with the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra, who at that time was under the leader, Buddy Morrow, who was this phenomenal trombonist. Learned a good bit from him. Uh, There was much more responsibility as a singer in the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra at that time, where there was no female vocalist to share the stage with. So I had a lot more tunes to sing. He, he wanted me to actually talk between tunes, that kind of thing, and mm-hmm. just developed all of that. And then when Buddy passed away in 2010, I believe he was 91, then uh, started leading the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra, which I did throughout 2011. And then the Glenn Miller Orchestra called me to go on the road with them. And the Dorsey band wasn't touring very much. So I saw the Miller thing as an opportunity. And my wife said, you really should do this. So <laughs> um, so I'm out with this and uh, have been the music director of the Glenn Miller Orchestra for the last uh, six and a half years. Wow. So about six and a half years of that, plus what you said before, right after college, basically touring as a as a singer. Probably all total 12 to 12 and a half years, something like that. Yeah. Wow, that's great. And you've talked about a little bit what uh, what an audience member could expect from one of your shows. Uh, you're currently on tour right now. I, uh, what's the uh, what's the tour like in terms of uh, this particular month? It's funny. It gets foggy. <laughs> <laughs> it all kind of blends together, doesn't it? Right. I do know when we um, we had a little break uh, around Christmas and New Year's, and then we were back on the road. Let's say on January, I think it was maybe like January the 6th or something like that. Throughout January, we were touring in Florida. And then in February, we moved out of Florida to sort of the the south. And then in March, we were up in Buffalo, New York. Now, when I say that, I just mean like we come in and like for Buffalo, we played some shows with the Buffalo Philharmonic Hmm. uh, doing some of the Army Air Force's music. And we're there for about three nights. And then within a week from being in Buffalo, we were in Texas, and we were all the way to the border of Texas. Wow! Um, and performed in Texas for a couple of weeks. Moved into Colorado, over to California, into Arizona. Took about 
seven days off during the Easter week, reconvened in Albuquerque, back into Colorado. And over the last week and a half, we've gone from Colorado. We went through the Rockies. We had to put chains on the bus to get through the snow. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff. South Dakota. So we've we've been playing a number of dates in South Dakota. Right now we're in Iowa. Over the next month, we'll be in Nebraska in a couple of days, back to Iowa, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin for about two weeks, Nebraska, and then we're coming to you. Oklahoma. That's right. But we'll only be in Edmond for the one night on May the 10th, and I think it's the only Oklahoma date that we have. Wow. That's fantastic. Well, uh, that that is certainly very special for us to be able to host you in, in this one night only type of situation. Uh, you probably also have a lot of international touring experience. We do. Mind you, we don't go to Europe or that side of things. I mean, we've been on cruises that take us to Europe for just a moment. But most of our international touring is in Japan every year. Mm. We do a, a pretty big Japan tour every year for about five or six weeks. That's really our big international tour. The Glenn Miller Orchestra has been going to Japan every year since 1964. Pretty remarkable tour, actually, yeah. that we do there every year. It seems like the Japanese really enjoy the American songbook mm -hmm. and jazz and pop music of the 30s, 40s, and big band era. Right. Which, that's what I kind of consider us, more of a, we're sort of the, the popular band of that era, more than you could say a hardcore jazz band. Right. Um, and, and so we go to a Japan and travel everywhere from top to bottom, uh, just small towns, big cities, um, everything in between. You're, of course, looking forward to these various places that you go and, you know, say the uniqueness of being in Oklahoma for, for one night. <laughs> Um, but I'm sure as a musician, when you perform these shows every night, there's something in particular that you enjoy the most or that you look forward to the most. And I think it's great if you could share that with us so we know what you're most looking forward to in the performance that we're going to see on May 10th. I think there are a lot of aspects uh, in regards to me and, and what I enjoy. I love the music. I am a Glenn Miller fan, and so it's enjoyable to me even to do a string of pearls for the who knows how many times um, <laughs> now or in the mood. For me, it does not get old. And mm. the band, the way that they present it, it sounds like they're doing it for the first time every single time that we do it. And awesome. that's just part of being a professional musician, wanting it to be right, wanting it to be good. Mm -hmm. And so I enjoy working with these musicians every night. Uh, I enjoy the, the music, as I said. I love singing for people. And so, you know, that's a very enjoyable thing for me every evening. If the audience were not there, it wouldn't be worth it. So for me, I mean, really the main reason is we're making people happy and uh, doing it through our music and... Um, you know, that's, uh, that's what it's all about. Every audience is great. Some are a little more, uh, rambunctious than others. Some are a little <laughs> more reserved. It doesn't matter. I'm out there to play to these folks who are coming to hear what we have to present and enjoy a night of really great music and entertainment. And I would say for me, primarily, it's about the folks who come to the show. 
Awesome. Well, we are really excited to have you. We're looking forward to having you in Armstrong Auditorium in Edmond, Oklahoma on Thursday, May 10th. Nick, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate uh, just all your thoughtful comments and really helping us to get excited for this event even more so. Thank you, Ryan. I really appreciate the time as well. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Natalie Angst and introducing our vocal group, the Moonlight Serenaders.
are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. In today's episode, we have been discussing the world-famous Glenn Miller Orchestra and talking with its present music director in the lead-up to its May 10th performance at Armstrong Auditorium, which closes our 2017-18 season. We just heard Nick Hilscher at the head of the Glenn Miller Orchestra in that 2015 live recording of Chattanooga Choo Choo with Nick as the lead vocalist in that track. Just before that, we heard that exclusive interview that we had with Nick via Skype. Again, the Glenn Miller Orchestra will be performing at Armstrong Auditorium on Thursday, May 10th. More information about this event can be found at armstrongauditorium.org. You can also follow Armstrong Auditorium on social media. This program can be followed on Twitter and Facebook. And even though this is our last episode of this season, we will continue to tweet out and post interesting links and updates through the summer. Before we close today's program, I want to briefly unveil our next concert season at Armstrong Auditorium, which will also give a preview into what we'll discuss on next season's Music for Life. Next season marks the Armstrong International Cultural Foundation's 20th anniversary concert season. The series is sponsored by the Armstrong International Cultural Foundation, which is the humanitarian arm of the Philadelphia Church of God, headquartered right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Since 1996, this humanitarian arm of the church had been supporting projects in Amman, Jordan, in collaboration with the Jordanian royal family. But in 1998, the foundation began a cultural project meant to serve the citizens of its own backyard. Now, this concert series was a humble beginning, to say the least. The first events were held in a meeting room within the church's executive office suites in downtown Edmond. But the vision was big, that the series would one day support the arts of Edmond and central Oklahoma by giving monumental cultural experiences to the area. For the next few years, the series continued renting facilities at the University of Central Oklahoma, Edmond North High School, and Oklahoma Christian University in Edmond. Then in 2001, after purchasing 160 acres just north of Edmond city limits, the Philadelphia Church of God opened the doors of its own small private liberal arts institution. In addition to being an educational environment, this college campus would be home to the cultural activities of the foundation. Until Armstrong Auditorium's completion in 2010, concert events were held in the John Amos Fieldhouse, the first major building completed on the campus here. But now we're having our ninth season in Armstrong Auditorium. We're extremely pleased to bring back a few famous acts that we had early on in our history. The Vienna Boys Choir will be performing on Tuesday, November 20th. They were the first high-profile name we had on the series back when renting other facilities in Edmond, and they were also the first public concert we hosted in the John Amos Fieldhouse when the series resumed on our very own campus. We will also be having back a big name from early on in the series and a group that has performed even once in Armstrong Auditorium, the Canadian Brass. This will be their fifth appearance on our series. They are renowned for their genre-bending versatility and joyous performances. Donned in tuxes and tennis shoes, this award-winning ensemble is almost single-handedly responsible for elevating the art of the brass quintet to what it is today.
We have another repeat appearance of sorts. The world-famous and legendary conductor Gerard Schwartz is returning with his Mozart Orchestra of New York. They came a couple seasons back with a program of Mozart symphonies, but they are coming with a specific feature this time, violin superstar Anna Kiko Myers. She will join Maestro Schwartz and his orchestra for an all-Mendelssohn program. So we will be hearing Mendelssohn's beloved violin concerto. In addition to Anna Kiko Myers playing the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto, this all-Mendelssohn program from Gerard Schwartz and the Mozart Orchestra of New York will also feature Mendelssohn's most famous symphony, Symphony No. 4, nicknamed The Italian. Also returning to Armstrong Auditorium will be the Russian National Ballet, They will bring back Tchaikovsky's classic Swan Lake. It will have been a few years since we presented this, and usually we have them for two nights, but this will be one night only. Another Tchaikovsky favorite coming to our 20th anniversary season will be one of the most famous Tchaikovsky works ever, the Piano Concerto No. 1. This will be presented by the Shanghai Opera Symphony Orchestra, a nearly six-decade-old institution on its first North American tour. Featured as the pianist for this beloved work will be Hao Duan Duan. Also on a rare North American tour will be the Bach Collegium Japan, under its esteemed music director Masaki Suzuki, performing on Tuesday, December 4th. This is one of the most respected and adored period ensembles in the world, meaning they present music of Bach and other compositions from around that time on traditional instruments. Hearing one of these performances live with the gut strings of the fiddle instruments, for example, will be an exquisite trip back in time for your ears. They will be touring with soprano Joanne Dunn. On the less classical side, and as I mentioned on our last episode, we have a tribute to Benny Goodman coming, presented by the world-renowned clarinetist Julian Bliss and his jazz septet. ¶¶ 
fulfilling the world and folk offering for our 20th anniversary season, we are pleased to present Celtic Knights, an Irish song and dance troupe that's been lauded by the Prime Minister of Ireland for its spectacular fashion of showcasing Irish culture on the world stage. And kicking off our 20th anniversary season is an absolutely amazing string trio called Time for Three. I featured a track from them on this program in the past. What kind of string trio? Classical? Folk? Jazz? Well, these two violinists and one bassist champion their ability to defy all genre classifications. With an uncommon mix of both virtuosity and showmanship, this trio fuses elements of classical, country, western, gypsy, and jazz idioms that form a blend all of its own. Their self-titled album spent seven consecutive weeks in the top ten of Billboard's classical crossover chart, and their televised premiere on PBS won an Emmy. We are very pleased to open the season with this incredible group on Thursday, October 18th. Of course, we will explore each of these in more detail in our next season of Music for Life. In the meantime, if you want more information on how to get season tickets or even what we call a smaller flex pass or a smaller package of events, all that can be found at armstrongauditorium.org. A subscription to the entire season gives the patron a 20% discount off all the ticket prices and can be purchased for just a couple hundred dollars depending on where you sit. Two different kinds of flex passes, as we call them, offer a 10 or 15% discount on the full ticket price, depending on whether you buy three to four events or five to eight events. Again, all this information can be found at armstrongauditorium.org. To end today's program, let's hear one more great track from the Glenn Miller Orchestra. This is, again, the iconic, in the mood, but not the original orchestra, the current one, from an album recorded in 2015. I hope you enjoy, and I hope to see you soon. At Armstrong.
You have been listening to Music for Life, a production of KPCG 101.3 on the FM dial in Edmond, Oklahoma. From the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus, I'm Ryan Malone. Thanks for joining me.